Thank you for watching today. I pray the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. With all the craziness of 2020, have you found yourself feeling a bit depressed? This week, we'll be starting a new series called Recalculating. Pastor Dwayne is gonna be showing us just how to overcome that depression in today's message, Weapon of Praise. What I wanna to talk to you about is uh, uncertainty, more depression. Did you, do you know that they tell us that, this was before COVID, that 9.5% of Americans have a depression disorder, and that at any time, 30% of Americans are depressed. Pretty wild to me. In fact, how many would say that you're, you're, dealing, with some, you're dealing with some depression? I mean, you'd be surprised, there's, there's hands all over. Uh, the, the Bible says this in Isaiah, Isaiah 26. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. In other words, what we think about has a lot to do with how we feel. We, we tend to want to feel something first and then think something. But the Bible tells us it's the opposite. In fact, Jesus in John 14, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Uh, somebody said, well, that's what I feel. Well, Jesus said, don't do that. And the reason he says that is because you can determine how you feel by how you think. How you think is going to determine how you feel. So, so I want to kind of deal with the whole thing that's going on, particularly since COVID. Uh, there's so many people, they're, they're, they're discouraged, they're depressed, there's dread, there's hopelessness. We look at the unrest, the political situation, something going on in your family, the lack of connectivity, the uncertainty, and, and so many people are dealing with depression. So I want to start with Psalms 150, last one of the Psalms. And it says this in Psalms 1, praise the Lord, praise him God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the lute and the harp, praise him with timbrel and dance, praise him with string instruments and flutes, Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything. Do you know that is not a suggestion? That is actually a command. It says praise the Lord. The truth is you were created to praise God. And one of the things that happen when we begin to praise God is it recalibrates us. How many of you have had your GPS on and took a wrong turn? And then all of a sudden it said, recalibrating. Well, well, literally, when we praise God, it recalibrates our spirit. It recalibrates our heart. And it gets us to begin to be thinking right again. We're no longer a victim, but we become the victor. It begins to lift us when we begin to praise him. 
Now, what so often happens is we forget about God. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is giving a warning. He's telling the children of Israel, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. They're not even there yet. And he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, you're going to eat, you're going to be full. And you're going to have built beautiful houses and you're going to dwell in them. And your herds and your flocks are going to multiply and your silver and gold's going to multiply. And all that you have is going to multiply. And then he says in verse 17, and you say in your heart, my power in the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. He says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sworn to your fathers, even as it is this day. You know, the thing that we so often do is we forget God. God meets our needs. God has blessed us. And we forget that it was God that blessed us. In fact, God said, I'm the one who gives you the power, the ability, the ingenuity, the connections, the favor, everything that you need to get where you are. God says, I'm the one who's done it. You know, so often we just forget about God and it's easy to do that. You know, you look at the book of Esther. It's one of the, the books in, in the Bible before the book of Psalms. It's a story about this lady who is made queen, who's a Jew and doesn't let anybody know. And there's an evil man named Haman who's trying to kill all of the Jews. But when you read the book, the, in the entire book, it does not mention God one time. God is not mentioned one time in the entire book. But when you read the book, you can see God working behind the scenes all the time. And that's so often what happens in our lives. God is working. He says, I'm the one that's blessing you. I'm the one who gives you ideas and favor and ingenuity. I'm the one who's given you all these things that you have. And we don't see God and we just assume God's not in the midst of what's going on. But the truth is, he is right there in the middle of it. You just think it's your skill, it's your ability, but God says, no, I'm the one who's done that. Now, in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, I want to read a couple of verses. It says, indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for his good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And it's the glory cloud. It's, it's the tangible presence of God. It's the Shekinah glory so that the priest could not continue to minister. Other translations says they couldn't stand. Literally, the power of God was so present in that situation that it just knocked them to the ground because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. So when the priests begin to praise God for his goodness, the glory of God fills the house. And I believe that when you and I begin to praise God, that his glory fills our house. It fills our life, fills our family. It moves into the battle that we're in and God begins to move on our half. But it's when we begin to praise God. When we begin to express that. On Christmas Eve, 1997, Karen Hartley, a 33-year-old computer software designer, wandered outside the Power Mountain ski area in Utah and became lost in the wilderness. She was cold and alone on the mountain. The temperature was in the single digits. 
She knew if she sat down, she'd freeze to death. So she did more than just stay on her feet. She danced. She thought of the songs that she remembered from the 1990s, and she danced to them. She thought of the songs she remembered from the 1980s, and she danced to them. Then she remembered the songs from the 1970s, and she danced to them. She danced for 18 hours, knowing if she didn't dance, she'd die. Sometimes you have to dance in order to get where you want to go. Listen, sometimes you got to begin to praise God. You got to begin to lift your voice. You got to begin to lift your hands. And you maybe even need to begin to dance. But when you do, it brings God on the scene. His, listen, God's address is praise. His address is praise. And when you begin to praise, you come into his presence or his presence comes where you are. It says that the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. It's his address. The Bible says, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their bed. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. When you praise God, two things happen. One, it recalibrates you. It recalibrates. You begin to realize, look, God has moved in my life in the past. He's going to take care of me now. He's going to take care of me in the future. God's going to see me through no matter what happens. And by the way, the worst thing that could happen is you die and go to heaven. That is the worst thing that could happen. You cannot lose because if you lose, you win. You're on your way to heaven. It's kind of funny, though. You know, we were always talking about going to heaven, and the doctor tells you you're, you're going to go there, and you're like, <laughs> we really, we, we, it need, it, Heaven needs to become realer than what it is. The Bible says to set our affection on things above. But when we praise God, it recalibrates us on the inside. And secondly, the Bible says it's a weapon. It is a weapon. The Bible says to execute vengeance on the nations, to punish, punishment on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with feathers of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all of the saints. Literally the foundation, the stone that Satan is standing on crumbles when we begin to praise God. And again, God's address is praise. Any time, any place, any situation, any circumstance, God's address is praise. And we bring that in. We bring that presence in when we begin to praise. And your celebration is a declaration of your expectation. Boy, I sound like age. He likes to rhyme. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. See, faith begins to celebrate before the answer even shows up. Praise is in appreciation for who God is. Thankfulness or gratitude is in appreciation for what he has done. And there is a difference, but we need both of them. We need both. When I was thinking about this, the, one of the people in the Bible that came to my mind was Joshua. Now, Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Red Sea parts, 
manna, literally bread from heaven, falls to the ground every morning, and they go out and pick it up every day for 40 years. They see all sorts of supernatural things under Moses' ministry. Moses goes up on the mountain and spends 40 days with God, comes down with the Ten Commandments. And Moses has been to Joshua, a mentor, a father figure, a leader. He's been really the nation's connection to God. And now he's dead. And Joshua is supposed to step in. But Joshua's responsibility is not the responsibility that Moses had to just kind of maintain in the wilderness. Joshua's responsibility is to go in and take the promised land. And, and I want to just remind every one of us of this. The promised land is not a type of heaven. Because when you get to heaven, you will not have any battles to fight. Your enemy will not be there. But the promised land is a type of a victorious Christian life. And just like they had seven nations more powerful than they were, they had walled cities that they needed to, to come against and to breach those walls and to take possession. In our Christian life, we are constantly fighting a battle. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Right? The Christian life is a fight, if I can say it this way, from the womb to the tomb. You never get so spiritual that there's not another battle. There always is another battle to fight. So his new responsibility is cross over into the promised land and fight. Take this territory, something they'd never done before. And he's there with, as God described them, unruly, stiff-necked, and hard-hearted people. Here's what God said to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you will divide it as inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Again, God says, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Three different times in one chapter, God keeps telling him, be strong be of good courage. Do not be afraid. And you say, why did God do that? Because he was afraid. There was uncertainty in front of him. He's stepping into a position that he'd never been in before, following somebody who, who was like, like some sort of an icon in the eyes of the people. And he is concerned about what he's going to do. And then I think it's funny, the end of the chapter, the people tell him, only be strong and of good courage. God tells him, and then the people tell him. Now, now, what has happened is this. So often, what you and I do, I want you to listen, we limit God. Now, I hear people all the time, oh, God's in control, God's in control, God's in control. Really? Well, think about that. Think about that. God's in control. The Bible says, Psalms 78, 41. Again and again, they tempted God and limited, limited the Holy One of Israel. In other words, God wanted to do more, but God didn't do more because the people limited God. The people limited. God wanted more for Israel, 
But because of their unbelief, because, well, we'll, we'll probably talk about this next week, what got these people in this mess, but they limited God. God wanted to do more. I believe God wants to do more for you and God wants to do more for this church. God wants to do more for me. But sometimes we limit God because our expectation is so low. We're not expecting. And, and that expectation really shows where our faith is. They kept saying, be strong, be of good courage. And again, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Listen, he said, believe in God. Believe also in me. The things that you believe, the things that you think about determine your expectation. They don't only determine your expectation. They determine how you feel. Because when Jesus is talking about this, this is what he said. Do not let your heart be troubled. Well, that's just how I feel. But you can change how you feel. You can change how you feel by what you think about and what you believe. Because what you believe is going to change how you feel. You say, yeah, but, but my finances, but I feel, but COVID, but my job and my family and the political situation. What am I going to do? You need to recalibrate. You need to begin to be thankful. Begin to have gratitude. Begin to praise God for who he is because his power shows up in your life in direct correlation to what you believe and expect. You can limit. You can limit the Holy One of Israel. You say, yeah, but the problem's too big. It's, it, it is not a matter of hopeless situations. It's a matter of hopeless people. Because there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. God said this to Jeremiah. He said, look, I'm the Lord. He says, is there anything too hard for me? Anything? Now, I want you to just think about how big this universe is. I mean, we're talking about trillions of light years. And all God did was said, let there be. And there was. And I don't know what your problem is, but I do know this. It's not hard for God. The God who created galaxies with his word is not going to have a problem with anything that you and I are facing. But what is it we believe? Of course, the children of Israel, this is a great example. They come to the promised land. They, Joshua sends in some spies. Well, actually, the first time Moses sent in 12 spies. They pass through the land and they come back and they give a report. And they say, the land is exactly like God said. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. They've got some of the fruit there with them. And two of the spies said, let us go up at once and take possession. But 10 stood up and said, it's like God said, but we cannot go in because the nations there, they're stronger than we are. And their, their cities are walled and they're fortified. And we saw the giants there. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And we cannot go up. Now, here's what God spoke to me years ago. He said, all 12 spies saw the same thing. Physically, they saw the same thing. But they saw something different in their heart. Two saw victory and 10 saw defeat. 
So it wasn't a matter of what was physically in front of them. What made the difference was what was in their heart. See, you don't see with your eyes, you see through your eyes. You see with your heart. And what's in your heart determines how you interpret what your physical eyes see. That impossible situation to you, somebody else would look at it and go, piece of cake. My God is more than able. How many know nothing is hard for the Lord? Nothing is hard for him. You and I may look at our situation and we see it as hard or difficult or like the children of Israel as impossible. But it was only 10 that said that. Here's, the, here's what I think is crazy. Two million people believed the 10 and nobody believed the two. How many of you know it's easier to believe a bad report than a good report? I mean, we just live in a negative world. If I said to somebody, well, how do I get to the, the, uh, the cemetery on Prairie Street? I'm telling you what they're going to tell me. They're going to say, hey, go to the third red light. Take a left. How many know it's green just as much as it is red? But we just, we just identify with the negative. And it's easier to accept the negative than it is the positive. In fact, the Bible says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried and they wept all night. And all the children of Israel complained against Aaron and Moses and the whole congregation said to them, if only we died in the land of Egypt or if only we died in the wilderness, but the Lord has brought us out of the land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children could, should become victims. Wouldn't it be better to return to Egypt? So, so in their mind, they're already seeing death. They're already seeing their families become captives. They're already seeing defeat. And they had never even seen one giant. They hadn't crossed over and seen a giant. They hadn't seen any cities. But it was all in their imagination. Again, no hopeless situations. Only hopeless people. Only hopeless people. Now, Jude, verse 3. If you go to the back of your Bible, the last book in your Bible is the book of the revelation of Jesus. And the next book is the book of Jude. Just a little bitty book, one chapter. Third verse. Beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. Now, there's, two, there's really two huge, huge important truths in this verse. The second, the second truth is this. It says that the faith was delivered once for all. In other words, there's not a first century church and a 21st century church. There's not what God used to do and what God does now. Christianity was delivered once for all. What God did then, he did now. He will do now. What, what happened in the book of Acts is not supposed to be just, a, in fact, I think it's interesting, there's no amen at the end of the book because it's not done. There's 28 chapters. I'd like to say that right now we're writing Acts chapter 29 because it's not done. It was delivered once for all. You're going to have people tell you, yeah, God used to do that, but he doesn't do that anymore. That is not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. But notice what he said. 
I write to you concerning our common salvation. Now, it's not talking about the quality of your salvation. The Bible calls your salvation so great a salvation. It's not the quality of your salvation, but it's common salvation because nobody who ever got saved got saved and got something you did not get. Say that again. No one who has ever gotten saved got saved and got something when they got saved you didn't get. Because when the, with the word, the common salvation, yeah, I want you to picture it like this. It's like when you come to Jesus, he gives you a box. And inside of that box is anything he could ever do. Anything anybody ever received came out of their box. It's their salvation package. If it's in their box, it's in your box. It is common. What God has inside of that salvation for one person, he has inside of it for every person. How many of you know somebody who got healed? It was in their box and it's in your box. If you know somebody who got delivered, it came out of their box. And if it's in their box, it's in your box. How many of you know somebody who got guidance? Yeah, if it was in their box, it's in your box. It is a common salvation. But we tend to think, well, God has pets. Kind of like teacher's pet, you know. God likes, God likes John better than he likes me. And God likes Julie and so much that he does special things for Julie, but God won't do that for me. It's not true. It's not true. There is this salvation package, the common salvation. And, and so often we're, we're looking at our situation and we look at ourself and we tend to disqualify ourselves because we think, listen, we think that God deals with us based on our behavior. I want to tell you something. That is not true at all. Uh, I grew up in a church where uh, we read the command, 10 commandments every Sunday morning. How many of you were like that? Every Sunday morning, you read the Ten Commandments. Right. Now, what we would do is we go home and try to obey all the Ten Commandments, which is a great thing to do. Right. But we tried to obey the Ten Commandments so that we could prove to God we were worthy. We were good. Now, the Bible says this. The law was given that sin would abound. So all those laws in the Bible, they were not given so you could be righteous. They were given so you'd know you were a miserable sinner. In fact, Romans 3.20 says, no one has ever been made right with God by the works of the law or by obeying the law. So, so what we tend to do is we tend to look at ourselves and think, look, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I thought this, I thought that, I did these things wrong, and I'm disqualified. But the Bible tells us that you are not saved by works, least anyone should boast, right? But you are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Now, listen, you're saved by grace. Everything you receive from God, you receive by grace. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. That's what it is. You don't deserve anything. 
But that's why Jesus came, went to the cross, paid for your sin so that you could receive by grace everything that he purchased for you on the cross. Don't disqualify yourself because you think, well, I've been bad. I did this. I thought that I'm just not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Hello. God hasn't had any people, perfect people working for him yet. And you and I will not be the first. It's by grace. It's by grace. It's getting what you do not deserve. It's what God provided for you. And he's already provided it. And then you receive it by faith. You believe for it. You believe that what he said he did, he did. And you receive it. I want to just emphasize again, because my time's up, and, and I didn't even get through the introduction. So, <laughs> all right. When you begin to praise God, it literally recalibrates you. It recalibrates your heart. David in Psalms 116, he says, return to your rest, O my soul. And what's going on is there's this, there's this turmoil in his life, uh, probably written when he's fleeing from Absalom, who's his son who's trying to kill him. And, and he says, because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. And he begins to look back at the things that God had done in his life. And he begins to thank God for what God has already done. And what he's doing is he's, well, he's literally, he's talking to himself. So all you people who talk to yourself, somebody says, what are you doing? You say, I'm just obeying the Bible. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> David is talking to himself. He's saying, return to your rest, O my soul, because God has dealt bountifully with you. And he begins to recount, look back at the things that God has done, delivering him, protecting him, elevating him. He begins to look back. He, 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 he says, you know, my, he, he talks about my soul from death. There was a time when Saul was seeking to kill him every single day, but God delivered him. He says, my eyes from tears. He thinks about the things that had happened in his family, how a young child had died, how one of his sons killed the other son, and how God had healed his heart. He says, and he, he just keeps going back over all these things God has done. And when he's done, his heart is recalibrated. His heart has returned to rest. His heart is trusting in God again. And, and when we don't have that trust, we need to recalibrate. We need to begin to look at what God has done, look at, at who he is. We need to begin to praise and worship him. And remember, he will keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Now, if you're watching, but you don't know where you stand with God, or you're away from God, and you say, I want to get right, I want to be forgiven, I want to live my life for God, I want to be a part of that kingdom of God, I want you to just bow your head, pray this prayer out loud, just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart, all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, 
that I'm your child today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, full of bullet points to show you your next steps. I want to send it to you free of charge. You can download that book or you can contact us and we'll send it to you absolutely free. This is going to help you as you continue to grow in Christ. God bless you. Have a great day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. It's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith to change your life. Share your story with us by sending a short video from your cell phone to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. You never know whose life your story will change. Walking by Faith is used across the globe to spread the truth that changes lives on and off the air. To partner with us financially in this great commission, go to walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. We'll be continuing this again next week. So, until then, I pray you start using praise as your weapon against the depression in your life.